Hi everybody, this is Greg, and here's what you can find in the Popping Collars feed while pretending to listen to your uncle at Thanksgiving dinner in November 2021. Have you ever heard of a movie, show, or song that everyone else seems to love, but you just don't get it? Well, that's what we're talking about on this month's Popping Collars, our personal pop culture disappointments. Hear us throw some verbal stone tablets at some of Hollywood's biggest golden calves. It's a new month, and we've got a new episode of The Canon, starring some of our Popping Collars all-stars. This month, we divide up the works of Meryl Streep. Betsy and I have made it to the end of our 1990 movies on Going on 30. We're wrapping things up with one of the foundational teen angst movies, Pump Up the Volume, starring Christian Slater. Stephen McHale is back on The Sacred Six. This month, he and I discuss the biggest Beatles album of all time, The White Album. How can we possibly choose a favorite song? Tune in and find out. Finally, Liz and Ricardo are back for one last episode of the PC Book Club for 2021. Hear them choose their favorite end-of-the-year reads. Put your feet up, turn the football game on mute, grab one last slice of pumpkin pie, and keep those collars popped. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a Popping Collar side project where we take over the airwaves. People really have to pick to listen to us. I, I mean, got to tune in. Tune in and talk hard. Oh God, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. With the movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago this month, we're looking at Pump Up the Volume. Everybody knows that the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Think about it. Everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. We're on uh, 92 FM tonight. It feels like a nice, clean little band. No one else is using it. Price is right. Are you listening to this? Yeah, of course I'm listening. There's nothing to do anymore. And all the great themes have been used up, turned into theme parks. So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living in a totally, like, exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to. He's got a pirate radio station. Nobody knows who he is. I, I could be that anonymous nerd sitting across from you. And when you turn around, and he just looks away. He never looks back at you again. This is a song for the 90s. Welcome to Dorena Central, man. Take your order, please. Yeah, I want... That was deep. I like the idea that a voice can just go somewhere. Uninvited. Like a dirty thought and a nice, clean mind. I know you. Not your name, but your game. Come to me, or I'll come to you. So you are him. Yes, who? It's me again with a little attitude for all you out here in White Birdland. It's 10 o'clock. Do you care where your parents are? This 
radio person is the whole problem. Are we going to allow this guy to be heard by anyone who can turn a dial? I'm in jail! I'm gonna stay here! I like it! <laughs> and he's trying to tell you that there's something wrong with this school. You're not hey, what, you, to be what here. do you want to slam me? Come on, Bill, I'm a big fan of yours. Get out of control. Why not do something crazy? It makes a hell of a lot more sense than blowing your brains out. FCC, you know what that means? This phone call has been traced. This is my life you're screwing around with here, you know? Not anymore, it isn't. This is everyone's life. Mark, you can't leave it like this. You out there? You listening? Okay, Betsy, I have a brief description of Pump Up the Volume. Would you like to hear it? Is it laden with expletives or unreleased sample tracks? Okay, just checking. I just wanted to make sure. Are there any double entendres to masturbation at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Just just wanted to make sure. Uh, Mark Hunter. Okay, time out. Time out. That name? Are we talking about Zach Morris? Zach Morris, time out. Uh, If you had asked me before this intro, the movie segment. What his name was? What his last name was, would have never been able to tell you. I would have had a hard time with the first name because let's just say I'm probably going to refer to him as Christian Slater throughout this podcast. Okay. Mark Hunter, a lonely high school student, uses his shortwave radio to moonlight as the popular pirate DJ Happy Harry. When his show gets blamed for a teen committing suicide, the students clash with high school faculty and the authorities. I mean, I guess authorities. It's the FCC. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Well, okay. it's school school and the authorities. Yeah, yeah sure. So The Betsy, local police doesn't seem to have much of a presence. Right. I mean, when we say authorities, what we're talking about are FCC bureaucrats. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Betsy, what is your history? With Pump Up the Volume. Yeah, this was not a movie that was being broadcast on television. So I'm sure it was, uh, it must have been blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Must have watched it with other people. Loved the hell out of this movie. Thought it was just speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. It was just laying it out there. And nothing else could do that. And Christian Slater was hot. And this is post-Heather's. Yeah. You know, so so he already had this is him minus the trench coat plus some short sleeve button downs and glasses. I mean, what is this? The sexy librarian like turn on its head with like a student like <laughs> if he takes those glasses off That's that right. shirt off. Evidently, it's, it's the whole other story Superman situation. What's happening? Right. And so so I I definitely thought this movie was very cool. Yeah. And the music was good. And it just, you know, I lived in suburbia. I understood mm-hmm. what was being talked about in this movie. Mm-hmm. My parents weren't hippies, so I couldn't, I couldn't get down with them having this. They were too old, too old to right. be hippies. Oh, we'll get to the parents of this movie later. I want to say that I was probably working at the video store by the time I saw this movie. Oh. Like, so I mean, we're talking well into college. I mean, all the teenage movies that I remember liking in high school were things like Clueless and, you know, Scream, sort of stuff yeah, like that. You're late, you're later late high school, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like you said, this movie stands out, especially from the stuff that we've been watching as part of the series, as, oh, wait a second, here comes a new generation. Yep. With their hot takes. Hot takes. 
<laughs> hot takes, Gen X. Here That's they come. Right. Okay, so uh, so speaking of hot takes, what are hot your hot takes? takes so this movie was not as good as I remember it being. I was right. very excited to watch it again. Um, as our listeners will figure out when they're like, oh, I want to go watch this movie. You can't go watch this movie anywhere unless you want to watch it on YouTube and little five in Eclipse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is a hard movie. And this is, and you had told me this was because of a Beastie Boys sample, unreleased Beastie Boys sample in this. Right. The scenario. Yes. Yes. And uh, I was talking uh, with a friend and they were like, they were like, I remember when I bought the soundtrack for this, I was so excited, but the soundtrack isn't even the same. Right. Because he mixes all this. Everything's like mixed up and mixtaped and all this cool Mm -hmm. stuff. So, but that does not come over on the cassette tape you would have purchased, but it was fine, but it was just, it was very, it was very one note Mm -hmm. in a way. So, but here's the thing. I watched this movie with my now 14 year old because I wanted to see, is this still universally true? Mm -hmm. The, the messages in this film about, you know, people, the pressure to be perfect, taking this movie now and putting it into a social media context is very interesting Mm -hmm. in terms of now kids have all kinds of platforms. They don't have to go get all that material that Mark had all that machinery to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're, you know, wind up jumping penis toys. You know, you don't need all of that now. You can just do it on, you can just go live. You can press a button. Uh, and yeah, you're your Mark, own pirate radio station. It's, but, it's obvious It's obvious from Mark's decor that he spent a lot of time at Radio Shack and Spencer's Gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. I think school is okay if you just look at it right. I like your music, but I really just don't see why you can't be cheerful for one second. I'll tell you, since you asked, uh, I just arrived in this stupid suburb. I have no friends, no money, no car, no license. And even if I did have a license, all I could do is drive out to some stupid mall. You see, there's nothing to do anymore. Everything decent's been done. All the great themes have been used up, turned into theme parks. So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living in the middle of a totally, like, exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to. That was deep. But I think for her, she walked away from the movie being like, yeah, that's all still true. All that's still true. Yeah. Is it always true, you know, regardless of when we're talking about mm-hmm. that there is that that teendom is a time of facade and 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 perfection. There's lots of pressure being put on you to to be a certain person and to achieve and to get into this place and that place. And you just want to nuke your trophies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, I think the music of this movie speaks to a lot of that. That sort of generational, you know, turning over uh, and the feeling of kind of being bound and wanting to get away from it. But I agree with you. I think that this is this movie is a mission statement. It's a point of view with a movie built around it. It's not really a movie like there's there's no plot really to speak of or compelling character. But there's an idea. And is the idea enough? Uh, So here's what I wrote down, my hot takes. My first one is, it's probably best not to think too hard about how the technology works in this movie. (laughs) 
Oh, you really, you really went on a deep dive into oh, some I of didn't your go on a deep broadcasting. Dive. I didn't go on a deep dive. You but... didn't try to put a phone in your neighbor's shed. Uh, no? Okay, so I mean, just just the idea of like I'm calling people on a phone, and somehow you're able to hear what I'm saying perfectly okay. clear and what the other person on the other line is saying. It was Bluetooth. It was early Bluetooth, Greg. You didn't know. It's early Bluetooth on that handheld to, Sony phone. I'm going to drive around in a Jeep and somehow there's not going to be any wind or anything like that. No, it's uh, after doing chapel outside at a football stadium, Greg, I would tell you wind's not a problem. Wind I'm is not a problem. going to have a perfectly clear signal on yep. a pirated radio band. <laughs> All over this area. And you're totally <laughs> well, because no one, no one else is driving at that time either, Greg. No one else is out on the streets. <laughs> They're all in that parking lot at the high school. Everybody in town. Don't think about the technology. Nope. Way. It's uh, yeah, the bands that are featured either in the movie or on the soundtrack mm-hmm. for this are Concrete Blonde, The Descendants, Henry Rollins, Cowboy Junkies, Sonic Youth, The Pixies. That's the stuff that I love. Yeah, me you too. know, back as a kid, like, um, and you know, that gave way to things like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Screaming Trees and stuff. But, but all of that music, it just felt like a whole new thing mm-hmm. because what we were given up to that point was Motley Crue and Guns and Roses and you know all these hair bands that were doing songs that went on for thirteen minutes, and you were like, oh my god, isn't there just a regular rock and roll song? And the generation before, they were saying the same thing with punk music. And the generation before that, they were saying the same thing with like Beatles music. And the generation before that, they were saying the same thing with Elvis music. I mean, it's just the music itself tells tells you that a new phase is being ushered in Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, what kids are interested in. And they're not interested in the old thing. They want the new thing. Yeah, sidebar. Around this time, I was reading the book Jurassic Park, and I was listening to the Pixies, mm-hmm. and the Pixies were the perfect soundtrack mm-hmm. for Jurassic Park. Like hard hitting it, dinosaurs, people are dead. Let's do it. And you know, I was a little disappointed with the score when the movie. Absolutely came out. loud, and then quiet, and then loud, yes. and then quiet. Yes. That's the Pixies, and that's that's how Nirvana sold billions of records is by yes. copying the Pixies. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh! Here, they, here they come! I can hear them. Hold on, the Nirvana people are coming after you, Greg. Yeah, Dave Girl freely admits this. He does. Yeah. He, does yeah. he he always says, "Smell smells like Teen Spirit" is a Pixies song yes. that that Nirvana just wrote. You know. Yes, yeah, so and would do whisper sing at you. Hold on. Exactly. Oh, my last hot take that I have written down here is: so begins the two-decade run of Seth Green playing a high school student. I mean, uh, when baby Seth Green popped in, because <laughs> Ruby suddenly went, is that Seth Green? <laughs> She's watched Barbie. And so I'm like, and I had to look him up because it almost looked like he's gotten a little work done to really refine that Seth Green look. That's right. But I think he's just young. Really he got young. a sad card in this, though, because he had a line. Yes, so, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, which brings me, Betsy. <laughs> Two decades. I know, right? Which brings me, Betsy. <laughs> oh, please say it's a Seth Green. Top say it five, five Seth Green high school movies. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Greg, I have not as been as excited about the top <laughs> five in a while. All right. 
All right, number five. Oh, is there an honorable mention? Oh, it has right. to be. Yes, I'm sorry. There is an honorable mention. <laughs> there has to be because there's too many opportunities. There is an honorable mention, and it's an honorable mention because it's not a movie. Is it Buffy? It's, it's Buffy. It's, it's Buffy, Oz yeah. from Stabby. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of the most classic Seth Green roles in his So movie. just written for him. Just written oh for him. Oh, my gosh. I oh love that. All right. Okay. All right. Number five. Okay, number five. This is uh this is self-indulgent because I don't think anybody else likes this movie except me. Idle Hands. Idle Hands it's... was a late 90s horror movie. So okay. remember back when um back when the horror genre boomed around Scream. Well, this is where Scream you know, which and... did last summer. Yep. Yes. Yep. And so Idle Hands was one of those. Okay. And Idle Hands was uh Devon Sawa's hand becomes possessed by the devil. Yes, and now cuts I'm it off, a big and then that hand like goes around, uh, killing <laughs> people and things. So, oh, wow. idle hands. Does Seth Green die in that movie? Spoiler. He does, but he yeah. comes back to life as a zombie. All right, number four. Number four. I went with Tajillion on her thirty seventh birthday. <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. I okay, so it gives us a chance to talk about Peter Gallagher again. Oh, because, I gotta look that up again. You no, know, I, I like always thought movie. of again. I thought of Peter Gallagher as smarmy, but he's really charming in this movie. And Seth Green plays one of the high school friends in the movie, and I liked it. Claire Danes replacing Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there this is nineties goodness. Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. Wow. Well, Freddie, Pre- Fred. I mean, Seth rolled with that whole crowd. So, yes, basically the entire cast of Scooby Doo. If you remember, all those <laughs> yes. guys were friends with each other, and yes. so they would show up in each other's movies all the time. Yes. Okay. All right. So that was that was number four. Is that four? Mm-hmm. Okay. So number three. Number three. I kind of cheated on this one, but it's just too important to leave out. It's the It miniseries. The old It. Okay. Great. All right. Number two. Number two, I couldn't leave it out because he's just he's just too good as uh, Scott Evil in the Austin Powers series, specifically that first movie. The first movie, he's just so good. He's so good. All right, cool. All right, number one. Number one, I don't know how this movie doesn't end up on more top five lists because it's great. It's can't hardly wait. So what's up, Green? He's so good. Oh my gosh! Can't hardly wait is awesome. It's a, it's a great. I'm, I have not watched it lately. I have a feeling there's some things in it that won't hold up. Yeah, probably. Probably. All right, yeah. Betsy. We have arrived at probably two of the hardest questions that we've ever had to answer on this podcast: best scene and best performance. Okay. So we'll start with best scene. Okay. Or a movie that really doesn't have one. What is your best scene for Pump <laughs> so? I had, I had said when we had logged on here that I I had forgotten what I thought my best scene. Now I remember. It is when the the gay student who's on the phone with the gay student. Hello. Hi, it's me. You're on the air. Are you willing to tell my listeners what you told me here in this letter? I think they're they're ready to handle it. I'm not ashamed. So tell us what happened. This guy I knew. He invited me up to the ridge and. Well, I wasn't really sure why, but I was really happy because he's pretty cool. He's an athlete and everything. So we get up there, we take off our shirts, and we start fooling around. And then I sort of told him how much I liked him. He just smiled and said he knew it. Then he says, 
why don't we take our pants off and get a tan? So I did it. But he stalled. Go ahead. And then two of his friends showed up and they were drinking beer and laughing. And they took my clothes and threw them up in the trees. I didn't know what to do. I, I started to cry, but they just laughed at me, so I stopped. And they started calling me things. I don't even care about that. I mean, I know I'm into guys, but... This was different. What did you do? Everything. Everything they told me. I feel bad that I didn't even do anything. I didn't even say anything. Now he won't even talk to me. He won't even look at me. I'm pretty confused. Confused? You're not the one who's confused. You sound like you know exactly what's going on. If anyone's confused, it's those guys out there. I know, but I think about them a lot. Sometimes I wonder why one person is born one way and another person is born another way. Are you there? I'm just thinking how strong people can be. And how... Everyone is alike in some way. And how everyone needs the same things. So what are we going to do about all this? I don't know. And I'm like, oh God, what's he going to say? Exactly. What's happen? Mm -hmm. And then it is... And just so. the experience that the kid has is so heartbreaking mm -hmm. and and the fact that he has also he's bothered by it but at the same time he's he's moved on right that also is heartbreaking as well i'm saying they're going this is just gay trauma you know mm -hmm. and and that those are the experiences that people are carrying around inside them when you you're like you're finally with the person that you want to be with and then this other thing happens and they turn on you it's a totally authentic scene, and it makes me wonder if it's actually a, a real scenario for that's what I'm either thinking. a writer or Alan Moyle or I don't even I don't know any of these people's backgrounds, so I don't right. know. But it it comes across as totally authentic. I agree with you because there were when that scene first started, there were, I was like, okay, so is this going to be offensive or is it going to be an after school special? And it was neither. Because it didn't like, end all happy and no, no, no. You know, yeah. kid hangs up. Yeah. Um, I will go with Harry's speech at the end, you know, when they're driving the Jeep through the group of kids at the high school. And, mm -hmm. and it ends with all of those kids sort of starting their own pirate radio station with their own ideas. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is the Internet like this. Mm -hmm. This this movie could end right here, and it does. I mean, that's another great thing that the movie does that I kind of respect it for is that it has its story, and once that story's done, like, it's over. Like, you don't know what Mark's fate is. You don't know what anything, what the aftermath of this is. But that's not the story. The story is give these kids an outlet to tell their experiences or whatever and mm -hmm. um and once it gets to that point all of a sudden the floodgates open and all of these kids take to the air and share you know and it's like wow that is, there is a direct line between where this movie ends and where we are now 
I, I agree with you. I think that 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 moment, as I said earlier, it's like, oh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything. Oh, podcasts. You, mm-hmm. you can do what you want. That sort of freedom. And now we're living in the deluge, right? This poor town and where are they? Arizona? Yep. Like suddenly it's like everyone has their own radio broadcast and nobody's listening to each other. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think I think that yeah, that's seizing your own voice. And that very much is how I felt mm-hmm. at this time. But there is this sad element, especially like with the with the with the parents, with his parents. They are worried about him. They mm-hmm. are concerned about him, they're concerned about his well-being he does not seem happy but that that all seems solved when he no, has a, a girl in his right. room mark she doesn't have to go we'll leave you alone. i'll see you tomorrow you've been a bad dog haven't Brian. you you know for a second there we actually thought you were that uh that crazy dj character uh, maybe he's not that crazy dad right very funny now go get her come on that's my idea of homework. Yeah. That made me really sad. Um, so my best performance is actually Christian Slater's parents in this movie. They're terrible. Um, I wouldn't say that their acting is good, uh, but they're just such terrible parents that it's just mesmerizing. It's just mesmerizing to watch how bad they are at parenting. Christian Slater, I think, was almost at a disadvantage in a way coming into this film because he is so the other character in Heather's mm-hmm. right. That that he was still so has, popular. He still has that young Jack Nicholson energy at this point too. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And I could, I could call it Mark in both movies. Like I just had to look up and make sure, Oh, his name's JD. Okay. Now I remember from Heather's, but that was so popular and he's mm-hmm. still channeling that. But it's it's then this reconciling with Mark and his button down with his glasses being like, this is too much. I can't even go over to the mailboxes, et cetera, and get my mail anymore. Like, you know, that he's like, it's gone too far. Oh, right. no, whatever. But my my best actors are the high school children extras in this movie because they are great. Like whenever the principal comes up and somebody's listening to the tape and I was like, what? I don't know. What do you talk about? Oh, well, you know, all of that, like, is still so true for high school students. It's like, yeah. it's like, hey, man, where's your mask? Like, you need to pull your mask up. What? Who? Me? Huh? Eh? Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been that's been the the it's our go to defense as high school students, because we're still in that. I'm still kind of a kid, yep. but I'm not quite an adult. So I can kind of feign feign ignorance, ignorance, yeah. mm-hmm. but you know, and then suddenly they're spray painting places and then they're over here and then they're building big jam boxes. Like all these kids I thought did a really nice job making it feel yes, a little heightened and cliche, but also a little more real. Yeah, the shared teenage experience, I'm just such a sucker for it whenever it shows up in movies. Party at the Moon Tower, you know, it's just <laughs> it's just such a yeah. Uh, it's just so much fun. It feels like you're part of the party. All right, Betsy, I've got some stats about the movie. Stats, 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 stats. Pump up the volume. Opened on August 22nd, 1990. Just when the children are being forced back into school, maybe that right. was on purpose. That maybe actually feels purpose. right to me. This that feels, feels pretty like good a to late me. summer movie. I agree with that. Yeah, I like that. Domestic gross of eleven million dollars. Wow. 
Jeez. Makes me want to know what the rental, what the, re- I mean, is that included? This had rentals? to make way more on rental. I, I would, I would guess that this, this did really well on the. Can video. we see that? Is that a stat that's out there? No. I mean, it's not one that I can find easily. You right. can maybe find it on second circuit, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but a domestic gross of $11 million. So not good. The number 90 grossing movie of 1990. Making it the number 4,830th oh, no. top grossing movie of all time between. Uh-oh. Okay. Idle so hands. Kill. Idle hands. And no, idle hands. Actually, you're not far off. Um, actually, these aren't bad. Okay. Of, of all the movies that could potentially show up at 4,830, these aren't bad. Okay. So Flirt, Mary Kill, you get uh, Pump Up the Volume, The Legend of Drunken Master. Is that Jackie Chan? Jackie Chan. It's the Americanized version of Drunken Master 2. Legend of Drunken Master and Boys Don't Cry. Whoa. I know. When I saw it, I was like, oh, Hillary Swank. Why are you (laughs) way down here with Pump Up? Why are you down here? Uh, So you get Hillary Swank, Jackie Chan, Christian Slater, Flirt, Mary Kill. I mean, I'm not going to say that the shirtless scene didn't do anything for me. So maybe I'm going to go with flirt with pump volume. All right. Okay. Marry boys, no cry and kill drunken master. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. I knew we were going to differ on this. Here's the thing. I love drunken master. Okay. You're going to marry drunken master. It's my favorite Jackie Chan. Are you going to marry it? Property. So I'm going to marry it. Do you love it so much? You're going to marry it? Because I love it so much. I'm going to marry it. I agree with you though. I'm going to flirt with pump up the volume. I'm glad that you did that thing where, um, where you were talking about like that scene, the teen romance scenes in this movie feel very teen romancy. You know, it's like, it's not, we just can't sex. seem to it's just kiss. like, yeah. We just, uh, and I've unfortunately got to kill boys don't cry, but I like that movie. So I don't, so the, you know, it's just this was a, a tough one. The terrible rules of this game that makes so me hard. What else can I tell you about pump up the volume? It has an 81% on rotten tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, not bad. Not bad. I think people generally like it. It's a discerning crowd. Uh, my new favorite game is making you guess what Roger Ebert thinks of this movie. What oh do you think? My. I think Roger's Roger's going to want to get down with the kids, even though this is critical of Roger's generation. He's going to like it. He's not going to love it, but he's going to like it. Roger yeah. says it's one of the most unusual and thought-provoking <laughs> movies about suburban high school kids that I've seen in a long time. Three and a half out of four stars. Okay, that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a four out of four. Yeah, sometimes Roger is a message guy. You know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to have a movie built around it if it has something that he wants to think about. Okay, Janet Maslin, film and literary critic at the New York Times, uh, did not have a review of this movie, but had a write-up of this movie coincidentally along with postcards from the edge hmm. and another movie so this was this was of a piece with a bunch of movies that she was writing about around this time she says of pump up the volume it has all the elements of a classic teenage anti-authority screed but embraces passivity and nihilism to a surprising degree ooh what do you think about that I think it's 100% right. We're going to get into that when we get to the legacy of this movie as we talk a little bit more about, about what it is that okay. Harry's actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah let's how talk did about it. Do it. At the, 
how to do at the Oscars, no wins, no nominations. No this nominations. Not a, this is not an Oscar movie. However, this totally could have been, though, in the age of because people at this point really are leaving all of the original song stuff to yeah. the Disney movies at this point. Yeah. And so this could have totally been like they reach out to Concrete Blonde or whoever. I mean, to, it would have been a push for the Academy, but it could have they could have done it. So honestly, when we talk about the fact that this movie isn't on streaming, it's it may have m- more to do with Leonard Cohen than it does the Beastie Boys. That's a fair point, too. Because Leonard Cohen, you know, famously doesn't really put his stuff on streaming. And on the soundtrack for this movie, uh, that everybody knows is a cover by Concrete Blonde. It's not the Leonard Cohen That's version. That's true. That but then he uses, I mean, it's more Leonard Cohen, at least, than anything else. On the yeah, version. but there's two Leonard Cohen songs in this movie. Yes. Which I don't know that they got permission from Leonard Cohen. I mean, don't you have to get permission? <laughs> I would think so, but I don't know. It's weird. You have it's weird. To. He's just so normally anti that kind of thing that it's weird that he has two songs. Agreed. Show. Okay. Pump Up the Volume did win Best Film at the Seattle International Film Festival. No so. <laughs> Look at you, Seattle. Not surprising. Good for you, Out in front. We're all worried. We're all in pain. That just that comes with having eyes and with having ears. But just remember one thing. It can't get any worse. It can only get better. I mean, high school is the bottom. Being a teenager sucks. But that's the point. Surviving it is the whole point. Quitting is not going to make you strong. Living will. So just hang on and hang in there. You know, I I know all about the hating and the sneering. I'm a member of the why bother generation myself. But why did I bother to come out here tonight? And why did you? I mean, it's time. It begins with us, not with politicians the experts or the teachers but with us with you and with me the ones who need it most i believe with everything that's in me that the whole world is longing for healing even the even the trees and the earth itself are crying out for it i mean you can hear it everywhere it's the same kind of healing i Desperately needed and finally feel has begun. Let's talk about the legacy of this movie. Okay. We have been talking about the legacy of this movie all the way through our conversations at this point. Yes. So let's just do a brief kind of deep dive into the legacy, which I'm calling self-expression because I was thinking of this idea of this movie leading to social media, leading to podcasting. Yes. 
Um, we've covered a lot of the areas that I had already written down. Like, is this an origin story for those things? Are the ideas in this movie evergreen for multiple generations? So I'll just go to this last question, which is, is this movie important or is it literally just masturbatory theater? Because that's what he's doing in this movie. Yes. Like, I also really had taken it in my mind a lot further, too. And maybe some of this is, again, this melding with the Heathers character, because mm. Heathers was really about chaos and and like upheaval and, and just blow up the system. Right. And it, that idea of like, this is where, you know, I learned what the anarchy symbol means and like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I had kind of thought this movie had more of that in it than it actually does. When I, mean, I was so looking that's, forward to watching that's it. That's the idea that he's trying to say at the end, right? Is don't don't follow what the FCC is feeding you. Don't follow what schools and parents and all right. of that stuff are feeding you. Don't buy in, right? That's that's ultimately his idea. And especially when we talk about the themes being turned into theme parks. Very true in an age where that we live in now, where Disney has bought up every IP that you can think of and is selling it back to you. He also did not really come into it. And he even says this, I think, in the film that he doesn't really have a plan. Right. There's no plan because she because she's like, well, what's next? And And that's where it becomes self-indulgent. Yeah, that's where the self-indulgent part comes in. It's like, he's like, I'm just having a conversation. Yeah. And that's where I feel like self-expression has found its way into our current discourse is like, Mm. you know, you find people on Twitter who are quick to say something provocative in order to get likes or retweets. But like, what is your goal? You know, or like maybe if you're even something as insidious as QAnon or something, like what is your goal? Well, like other than to just make yourself feel good about how much chaos you're causing. It's like, I think it, what's been interesting is this makes me think about all the stuff that's been surfacing around like Christy Teigen, mm-hmm. right? And her her early Twitter presence, which people will very much say was of a genre of people talking crap about celebrities to show how, like you, how normal, I'm a normal person and saying really awful things. Yeah. But that yeah. she was not alone out of context. It's all terrible, mm-hmm. but that it's like, oh, well, that's what a lot of people were doing in the in the in the aughts. That's what a lot of people were doing. Right. Or I'm, I'm like, or, I'm like, damn, or maybe you're playing really? a character. Yeah. Or maybe you're just playing a character when you're on Twitter. Like, it's not right. really you. It's the Twitter version of you. Right. And like, look how, you know, and, and, and Harry does some of that. And it's it's that element of like, does it get him into trouble and at his ultimate core he's still mark right but i mean they're thinking about the idea of a public persona versus a private persona i do think that is 100 percent true and Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know even in an ideal world of how we think about our social media presence like we like to think that what we put up on social media is authentically ourselves or true to who we are but it actually is a performance. Who you are on Facebook is a type of performance. Mm-hmm. Who you are on Instagram is a type of performance. And I think that that's kind of what this movie gets at as well. Is like as true as 
some of the things Harry says is it's ultimately a performance that he does. Yeah. That kids gather around a school baseball field to listen to, you know? Yeah. It's like, come for the masturbation jokes. Right. Stay for the heartfelt teen lessons. Right. Sometimes for five minutes, sometimes for five hours. That's right. You never know, Greg, how long that broadcast is going to (laughs) last. So, Betsy, who is this movie for? Gen X, Gen X, Gen X, Gen X. Young Betsy listening to her radio in her room. Around my like the like I can imagine the little turquoise. The girl had my phone. One of the girls had the the clear phone where you could all the gadgets inside were all different colors and stuff. I had that phone. I also had a turquoise blue princess. Uh, nothing quite made my heart sing as much as the girl holding the phone up to the speaker on the boom box. Yes. I can't tell you how many times I did that. Or how many times I had to go to church and I left my boom box recording the like countdown. Yep. With either Casey Case and Rashad Stevens. Yep. Just to know who was at the top. Mm-hmm. I had to know. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, this movie is for teenagers. It's 100%. Uh, and I would say it's actually for teenagers of any age. It's for teenagers yeah. who are always sick of adults and their stupid rules. <laughs> That's who this movie's for. Yes. So then what would you rate this movie out of five? I gave this movie a three. Okay. And I'm going to put it after dances before Pretty Woman. Wow. Because you've changed my mind a little bit. I'm thinking like. I would say that this, yeah, this movie is not, this movie's not good. I So I gave it a 2.5. Okay. So we're right around the same ballpark. Yeah. Because it it is pretty bleak. Like it doesn't have a plot. The acting's rough. At its core is an age old idea that just always works. Yeah. You know, teenage angst is always going to work. From Rebel Without a Cause to Pump Up the Volume to whatever teenage movie comes out next year always going to work um so now you can ask me why did i nominate this why movie? did you pick this movie greg because we just had a great conversation yes we did we did volume. we did um honestly that's i mean i think that there's a clear legacy of this movie however let me just say that the reason pump up the volume is on this list really quickly is because i didn't have the guts to nominate the movie that i really wanted to which is a movie called close up by Abbas Kurastami, which is an Iranian movie, also hard to find. It's just amazing. If you get a chance, just Google Close Up by Kurastami and just don't even read about the movie itself. Just read about the story of making the movie. It is fascinating. It's Why just- didn't you pick it? We I didn't we pick it because it's it's a really tough sell. Like you would have... You would have watched that movie and you would have been like, Greg, what in the world? <laughs> it's called Close Up. It's great. If you ever get a chance to watch it, watch it. it. Uh, pump Up the Volume is better for us, though. Uh, as a uh, as a uh, as a movie about for this podcast, in that it it is a movie that is very much about what we talk about, which is what is the legacy of this movie 30 years later? Of all the movies that we've talked about, maybe Pump Up the Volumes Legacy is the most clear. But that's it, right, Greg? This is it. That is it. We are done with the movies of crazy. 1990. So what that means is that Betsy and I have had our say. Yep. And now 
it's time for us to turn it over to you, our wonderful listening audience. Just like you did last year, you now get to vote on the 10 categories that we have for the movies of this year. So you get to vote for best picture, best uh, performance, best soundtrack slash score, best trailer, all of that stuff. We're going to have a poll up on our website. Just go to poppingcollarspodcast.com. Look for uh, second annual golden poppers voting at the top of the screen. Yep, and just imagine it, a glistening jalapeno popper. It's great. That's right. It's a little trophy. You'll be able to vote for your own favorites amongst the ones that we've picked. Betsy, isn't this very exciting? It I is had very a great exciting. time. Me too. I had a great time listening last year to what it was that everyone picked. I can't wait to hear what it is that they picked this time. I know. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. So, yeah. Could, could possibly pump up the volume when Best Picture at the second annual Golden Poppers. No. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it, so go vote. Nice, I love it. Betsy, thank Thank you you for doing this podcast while driving around in my Jeep tonight. I hope that the audio sounds good. No wind. That's right. No wind. (laughs) And we'll see you next month for the Golden Poppers. Bye. 